0: Believing in God and believing that God has blessed us and that all of us are equal in the sight of God's eyes is a defiant posture in this world. It's not the status quo. It absolutely is not. And even if we say it is, we don't have to look very far at economic circumstances. We don't have to look at disparity in pay to realize that actually that's not true. It's getting more true, thank God. God's vision for us is this great besideness with one another. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright.
1: Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good morning, Bishop.
0: Good morning.
1: You called your devotion this week preference, and it's loaded because the first time I read it, I read it like a locker room speech for the underdog,
0: yeah. <laughs> and,
1: I, yeah. and so I'm wondering if you'd like to say more about your summary of Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12.
0: Well, that's why I like uh, talking to people about scripture and, you know, sort of, there's a there's a quick commercial, right, is it's, it's so important to have a conversation with folks, not an argument about what the Bible says, uh, you know, but a, a conversation. So I never thought of it as a, a locker room, you know, speech that <laughs> we're, we're down by two touchdowns at the half, you know, um, but, you know... Uh, the text, the Bible text is the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted. Um, and, and uh, you know, I've been looking at that text for a very long time, uh, like lots of people. And, you know, the, the thing about reading the Bible is, is that you change. The, the words stay the same, but you change. Life sensitizes you to lots of different things. And, you see into the cracks and crevices of scripture. And so, you know, I, I think when Jesus is, is standing up and talking about who is blessed, he's, he's doing a number of things. But, but, you know, one of the things he's doing, I think, is he's, he's telling us what side God is on. Uh, and, you know, and that is not to say that God is not on the side of all of us. I think God is on the side of all of us. But the, the God of the Bible is not a milk toast God. It's not an anything is okay God. Um, you know, this is why we have the prophets. Uh, this is why Jesus himself, God himself, came in the form of Jesus um, to, to let us know on which side God is on. And God is clearly standing on the side of poor, uh, those who are being oppressed, uh, those who are least left behind, those who are being abused, uh, those who have uh, little to nothing those as as um you know as Howard Thurman used to say, the people who have their backs against the wall uh God is God is for them God is for all of us but God seems to have a particular heart uh, and interest uh, in that uh, in that group of folks and he came as one of them right he came as a colonized soul uh, the son of a day laborer um, uh, to, to tell us about God's love. So that's where I'm going.
1: All right. Well, one of my favorite lines from your devotion is being blessed while you're still catching hell is not about pie in the sky by and by as much it is as a resource for consolation, courage, and defiance right now. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can say more about being a, a resource, for consolation, courage, and especially defiance. defiance.
0: Yeah. So you know, I I was born and raised uh, in an African American family in an African American part of town with that culture, idiom, cadence, beauty, food, culture, music, and 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 um, and that helped me immensely more than I uh, can know. But one of the things that helped me to realize was is that. Just because you are a part of a group that is catching hell in the way that my parents uh, and many people uh, of their generation caught hell in terms of legalized segregation, discrimination, um, you know, the refusal to deliver the American dream to lots of different kinds of Americans who labored, went to war on behalf of this country, etc. That kind of catching hell. Uh, I grew up knowing about that. Um, I grew up watching My mother and father tried to work, you know, under those oppressive systems. Uh, And obviously it's not gone away, but but so that is the catching hell. And so, you know, growing up thinking about, well, where is God in all this catching hell? So God didn't create those systems, right? In fact, God is working through us to help dismantle those kinds of systems. So what does blessing actually mean? Well, blessing, and then you take that sort of thinking, theological thinking over to the Bible, and you realize that God is blessing all kinds of people who are catching hell, who are in really difficult circumstances that are being abused, their labor, the humanity is being stolen. And so what does blessing mean? Well, it doesn't mean just hold on a little while longer, everything's going to be all right. It doesn't mean kumbaya. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means that God is trying to say to us, I see you, you matter to me, your dignity matters to me, and this is my strategy. My strategy is for you to take up agency because of the permission I've given you in blessing. I've let you know that I'm on your side. I've let you know that the thing is tilted toward you in the long run. In the long run, that's a critical point, in the long run. So be consoled uh, because the creator of all the world sees you. Uh, Also, take courage and know that I'm with you. But the defiance piece, I think, is where if I know that God is for me and I know that the system is rigged against certain people, then somehow my back gets a little straighter uh, and I start to work out some kind of defiance. Uh, Now, we have just celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King. And I was just talking to C.T. Vivian, a great civil rights leader, uh, the Reverend C.T. Vivian's uh, daughter yesterday, and, and they thought that they were being defiant. Now, they used nonviolence, a key, a, you know, key point here, uh, but they were nevertheless defiant. They tried to hold together a boldness and a forthrightness that had everything to do with understanding their dignity through God's eyes. And so, you know, abusers, racists, white supremacists, and others, you know, they were the aberrants, right? That was the grotesque manifestation of some kind of sickness, right? So they knew that to be blessed, uh, to want harmony amongst all, uh, to see dignity in all, was a defiant act. Look, believing in God and believing that God has blessed us and that all of us are equal in the sight of God's eyes is a defiant posture in this world. And so, and so look, it's not the status quo. It absolutely is not. And even if we say it is, we don't have to look very far at economic circumstances. We don't have to look very far down the road in, uh, in, in terms of gender um, uh, bias. Uh, we don't have to look at disparity in pay to realize that actually that's not true. It's getting more true, thank God, but we are not there. And so we have to generate, we, so what gets generated in us is a defiance that comes from knowing no God's vision for us is this great besideness with one another, mm. and until that until that is until that has been achieved, uh, then you know the defiance continues.
1: Yeah, like a great leveling. Yes, for sure. All right, friends, we're going to be right back after a short break.
0: Hi, listeners! Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Robright. And now back to four people.
1: Welcome back to four people, uh, Bishop. Um, I not I didn't get myself into trouble really, um, <laughs> and yet. It was one of my great learnings, uh, because sometimes when I choose to use words, they are not necessarily as mature as uh, other people who have had the time to think and process (laughs) and really dwell on a certain thing, right?
0: Okay. And
1: yet, I'm just going to say, sometimes I'm risky and I say things. Okay. I'm wondering what your thoughts are between the words preference, chosen, and favorite.
0: You know, we had Rabbi Berg on uh, the other day, and he, he talked a little bit about this notion of chosenness, right? Um, and, and if we're talking about chosenness, you know, we're talking about something a little bit different uh, than, than preference, right? Um, preference is about, you know, the situation, circumstances that God sees part of the human family in and has decided to come down on that side of folks. This chosenness is, is a whole doctrine of a group of people that is sort of above uh, others. That's one way to think of it. An- another way to think of it, and Walter Brueggemann also helps us with this notion of, of, of chosenness, is, is is that is trying to, um, well, chosenness in the hands of some people has met the exclusion of others, right? The, the diminishment of others, right? And, and that is not what we're saying here. Right. What we're saying, in in fact, in in this text, what I'm trying to say, is is that to to hear God's preferences actually is an invitation to corrective action. So if I see that God is on the side of the peacemaker, maybe I it ought to occur to me that I ought to get on the side of being a peacemaker. Uh, if God is on the side of those who are being persecuted for trying to be forthright uh, about injustices in the world, maybe I ought to take uh, you know, steps, you know, two steps to the left here, or, you know, not using political language, two steps to the left, right, or or front or center towards the very thing that we're saying that God prefers. That's a little bit different than, than chosenness. God didn't choose people to be poor. God didn't choose people to be, you know, uh, mourning, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a, that's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different podcast, I I would say. Uh, Yeah, no, that's that's something different. But I mean, I I appreciate it, and I can see how people would want to want to lump that in. That's not what I'm saying at all, um, because you know when we're talking about chosenness, we're talking about a whole big piece of of study and theology, et cetera. I'm talking specifically about uh, people who are in this world right now who find themselves on the delivery end or the receiving end, rather. Of of some of the worst that life can dish out, and I'm saying to you that the Bible tells us that God is there, God is with those folks, God is for those folks. We see this in the Magnificat. Uh, we remember Mary's great, wonderful speech and 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 rap. Uh, we see this uh, in uh, in so many other pieces of literature where God sees us. And, and look, this is what this is what we need, right, uh, to encourage us is is my suffering in vain? Does anybody see me? Does anybody care? Right. And, you know, Moses actually brings this to God's attention, you know, on the, in front of the burning bush. And it's God who says, look, I see my people, you know, I see my people, you know, in bitter bondage, et cetera. And so, you know, we could have, we could add to that text and I, God, I'm looking for partners who want to do something about it.
1: Come on. Right.
0: (laughs) So, so I think, I think that, we can see that god blesses this particular group of folks but we also might ask ourselves okay that is fine but you know can i join god in being a blessing to this group of people
1: love it well i know this might be weird uh yeah one of the things i love to do in this season of epiphany is frequently read through the outline of faith or in fancy terms the catechism catechism in the, yeah in the back of the book of common prayer right Um, because there to me, there are a list of questions, uh, some straightforward and others that lead me to more questions, which I love. So one of the things that's got my blood going right now, right. Is, um, what is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. And so I wonder how God's blessing and our blessing go together with restoring unity among God and our neighbor? What you think? Well,
0: I mean, I think one of the things we're, we're talking about when we're saying that is, is that, one, we're saying who God is. We're saying right there in that statement what God's preference is. So implicit in that statement, right, to restore all people to unity with God and with each other is we're saying that God is on the side of harmony and unity, right? So in some ways, what we're saying is God prefers when you and I are not warring, when we're not tearing each other apart, right? God prefers when you and I figure out how to share, uh, when you and I figure out how to not let this sort of the bad news of scarcity, which by and large is a lie, uh, take us over and make us do bad things to each other, right? But rather that God's abundance is our message, and we're figuring out creative ways on how to share. So God is already showing us our God's preference in that very concise Statement And let me just say to people too, that, you know, I'm inviting uh, all of us to take a look at the, it's the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer. You can find it online and in the very back of it, you look at the table contents, it talks about the catechism and it's just a a real wonderful outline uh, of the faith of what we say we believe. And this is one of the things I'm inviting people to really brush up on uh, because I, I think we have gotten way down into feeling land. And uh, and and maybe need to stop just a moment and, and get back into a little bit in, into teaching land a little a little solidness to the, bring a little solidness to that. So the feelings are legitimate, of course, but also they 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 sometimes feelings are not facts. And so what we want to do is we want to ground uh, our life with God and our life with neighbor in the best teaching that the church has. Uh, and uh, and to be and to prove ourselves, you know, sort of uh, um, uh, ready. And mature, because uh, I think this is the other thing that I'm I'm really hacking at is is that I'm inviting people to, to really think about what Christian maturity means, and Christian maturity means really some real clarity about who the God of the Bible is, and uh, and that's why I'm writing things like this about God's preference, because sometimes we paint on God's canvas, and sometimes we paint more of ourselves on God's canvas than it is than is appropriate. No, uh, our Position in that uh, in that painting uh, to continue to beat up a metaphor, it is is to see God's canvas that exists in its beauty, and then to join God uh, and offer ourselves, you know, to to making that canvas full. So so uh, I'm inviting people to to take a look at that uh, at that catechism, but yeah, no, I think preference, God demonstrates God's preference. You know, one of the things that God does, and maybe this would be the last point. God has a preference for partnership. I mean, think of it for a second: the God who created all the worlds, all the worlds, and all that there is; the God who ignited uh, the Great Bang uh, that, that created uh, everything that is, uh, and that all science can do is begin to discover it and to comment it. This this wonderful God who made you know put busyness in the ant, big in the whale, sassy in the teenager, right? This this, <laughs> this wonderful God this wonderful God uh, has decided right, to restrain God's self in in the mobilizing, utilizing of God's power. God could do everything all by God's self and you and I would be reduced to automatons, mindless, thoughtless, doer, drone, right? But God decided not to do that. God decided to run an experiment and run a risk and, and to invite us and to be patient with us uh, as we figure out that there is nobody wise, more wise than God, right? And God has decided in God's genius, and we don't have to like it, that God is willing to take the hits. Uh, and God has somehow accounted for the pain and the suffering in this model. So God doesn't swoop in and take the wheel out of our hands. God has decided to invite us to be partners with God. And that is God's preference. And that is the God, way that God wants to make the world. And so that is the, the God of the Bible. And, and so, you know, again, yet again, that is God's preference. Now, we don't have to like it, but uh, I, I think what we should see in that is a, a great compliment being paid to us uh, that, that God would use us. Uh, cracked clay, ego maniacal, you know, cracked clay. Uh, Tempted always to be small and petty, but God says, I want to use that. So, this is why, you know, St. Paul says that we have this treasure, right, in earthen vessels. And so, yeah, so that is God's, I think, chief preference is to somehow work with us, uh, through us, uh, uh, on behalf of us, uh, to make the world, as as our presiding bishop says, uh, to look less like hell uh, and more like heaven and the beloved community.
1: Well, praise God for that.
0: Praise God for that.
1: (laughs) Bishop, thank you so much. And thank you listeners for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.